We prayed and we prayed for the reversal of Roe versus Wade for so many years. But on the other side of Roe versus Wade, on the other side of the Dobbs decision, it's actually become that much harder. This is the Daily Signal podcast for Thursday, April 20th. I'm Virginia Allen. And that was Brian Westbrook, executive director and founder of the sidewalk counseling organization Coalition Life. The fight to protect life is, in some ways, even more challenging today than it was a year ago, according to Westbrook. In the state of Illinois, for example, Westbrook says there is a bill being pushed by pro-abortion advocates that could shut down the 90 different varieties of pregnancy centers and maternity homes in the state. The Supreme Court's ruling on Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization that ultimately overturned Roe v. Wade was a major victory for life. But according to Westbrook, pro-abortion activists are not going away, and we need to be vigilant in fighting back and ensuring that we can protect mothers and protect children. In an effort to encourage and mobilize the pro-life movement, Coalition Life is inviting Americans to St. Louis on April 29th for a march to support women and be a voice for the unborn. Westbrook is joining me here on the show today to discuss the opposition the pro-life movement is currently facing and why sidewalk counseling remains such a powerful tool to serve women facing crisis pregnancy. Stay tuned for our conversation after this. Conservative women, conservative feminists, it's true, we do exist. I'm Virginia Allen, and every Thursday morning on Problematic Women, Lauren Evans and I sort through the news to bring you stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women. That is women whose views and opinions are often excluded or mocked by those on the so-called feminist left. We talk about everything from pop culture to politics and policy. Search for Problematic Women wherever you get your podcasts. And we are also problematic on social media, so be sure to follow us on Instagram. Brian Westbrook is the executive director and founder of the National Sidewalk Counseling Organization, Coalition Life. And Brian joins us now. Brian, welcome to the show. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Good to see you. Or so, hear you, I suppose. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you all founded, you founded Coalition Life. Uh, talk a little bit about that process of what was your heart behind founding Coalition Life? What is your mission? Well, our mission is to end abortion peacefully and prayerfully, and we do that through sidewalk counseling and going out directly to where these abortions are happening. Uh, we, we understand that there's a lot of uh, need in the political process, but what we do is we go directly to these women. We offer them help and healing and an opportunity to choose life. We also run a pregnancy center in the St. Louis area, and we partner with uh, groups around the country, uh, specifically here in the Midwest. Uh, we have a lot of uh, individuals on the ground and uh, we just are excited to be able to save lives and we've had well over uh, 3,500 turnarounds in front of these abortion facilities. Wow, so neat. You know, sidewalk counseling has played such a huge role in the pro-life movement for decades, but have things changed now that we're in a post-Roe America? Are, are the challenges different? What what has the landscape changed as far as those who, who are taking the time to stand outside abortion clinics and talk to women? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's actually, it, we, we prayed and we prayed for the reversal of Roe versus Wade for so many years. Uh, but on the other side of Roe versus Wade, on the other side of the Dobbs decision, uh, my wife and I laugh about it and a lot of other pro-life leaders laugh about it. It's actually become that much harder mm. uh, to go to where abortions are happening. So uh, we had a lot of activity in Missouri, uh, but of course what happened is that the trigger ban was signed in Missouri about 10 minutes after the Dobbs decision happened. And so a lot of our activity is in Illinois and other states that are uh, a little more liberal, if you would call them. And um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. And so uh, in, for instance, in state of Illinois, uh, they're opening the floodgates, come on in. And so there's a little town called Carbondale, Illinois, southern uh, town in Illinois, where they already built two abortion facilities. A third is being built uh, right now uh, with plans to even bring more abortions into southern Illinois. Even the uh, network uh, Grey's Anatomy uh, even talks specifically in their sitcom about how important uh, Carbondale and Southern Illinois are to the abortion mm -hmm. battle. Wow. Uh, so a lot of landscape is changing. If you look in New Mexico, a place called Las Cruces, New Mexico, uh, a lot of abortions and abortionists are flooding to New Mexico uh, from Mississippi and from Texas and uh, around the country. So we have to go where abortions happen. So considering that and, and how the landscape has changed in uh, a post-Row America, what what are the greatest challenges, would you say, within the next, I don't know, maybe two or three years? Like, what is at stake when we talk about the pro-life movement and we look at various legislation that's being pushed? Well, I mean, uh, again, we'll talk about uh, my two favorite states, Illinois and Missouri. <laughs> uh, but in, uh, in Illinois, uh, there's a, a bill already moving through that state level, which is called SB 1909. Uh, 1909, in a sense, its goal is to shut down the 90 different variety of pregnancy centers and maternity homes in Illinois. Uh, and basically what it does is it gives the attorney general full jurisdiction over whether or not uh, the pregnancy centers are using factual data. Uh, and so if the attorney general doesn't like the data or believes that we're omitting data about uh, abortions and where they could get abortions and we're not referring back to an abortion facility, in fact, then we could be sanctioned with $50,000 fines and uh, all of our assets could be seized as well. Mm -hmm. So this is a real threat uh, in, uh, in the state of Illinois. Uh, we're, I'll be in the uh, Springfield, Illinois here in the next uh, week or so, uh, pushing back on that. In Missouri, of course, uh, we are a pro-life state, uh, yet uh, a referendum vote, a change to the Constitution only requires a 50% vote. And a lot of states are like this. A complete change to the Constitution uh, requires just a simple majority and so um, there are already uh, ballot initiatives that are moving forward that would remove any and all restrictions on abortion in the state of Missouri, uh, even threatening the pregnancy centers and how they would operate. So we need to in understand that they are not going away, our opponents are not going away, and we need to be vigilant in fighting back and ensuring that we can pr protect mothers and protect children. Mm.
And when you all talk to those mothers, when you talk to those children um, and care for those children and provide that care after um, a, a child is born, what, what are some of the stories that you hear from women when you're talking to them outside an abortion clinic? Uh, what are usually the reasons that they give for why they're there and why they feel like abortion is, is the option that they have in front of them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it really comes down to one major reason, which is they feel like they have no choice, which is really quite ironic because uh, the so-called pro-choice movement keeps talking about this is about choice. This is about the woman empowerment. But I haven't talked to a woman in front of the abortion facility where she says, I want to be empowered and I want to exercise my rights. They all talk about having no other choice. Mm and they feel stuck and pressured and coerced into having this abortion. Uh, and so it really comes down to, beyond that, uh, the financial means to be able to care for a child, uh, and then the relationships that they have with other individuals. So the financial needs is, is actually the best reason that I, I love uh, hearing, because we can do so much for these women. Uh, we can uh, provide, uh, there was a, a client we worked with, we provided a car for her, uh, and we worked with a lot of other agencies to provide um, medical bills that we had helped her pay, and also a lot of the other variety of bills that she had. Uh, but uh, <laughs> one of the clients I was able to meet on the sidewalk in front of the abortion facility, uh, she was an interesting uh, young lady. She was dancing at a local uh, place. She had tattoos, uh, her housing, it had you know all kinds of rodents and other things. And she already had children of her own. And her reason was that if she was pregnant and needed to dance, if you will, uh, she would get fired. Mm. And so um, it, it's just, it's a few converse, you know, a few words of encouragement and also working with our local pregnancy centers. There is help. So uh, with with this young lady, we were not only able to help her find a job, but we were also able to help her uh, get out of the housing situation her, she was in, into a maternity home, and then eventually into long-term housing situation. Uh, we see these stories over and over again. We, we serve over 700 clients each year. Uh, and we see in a in a month's time, we see about 30 turnarounds uh, every single month out in front of these abortion facilities. So these are real women. These are real conversations that we're having. And it's really important that we both go to the abortion facilities anywhere in the country and also provide that backbone of support, which is our pregnancy centers. It's the backbone of the pro-life uh, movement, and it's incredibly important that we continue to support them. Well, and when you hear stories like that, it feels um, a little mind-blowing that then you would have uh, lawmakers who are pushing to pass legislation that would make it very, very hard for these centers to do their job. I mean, are are they hearing these stories, or are they just looking the other way? Well, I think the politicians specifically in Illinois or California or New York, these politicians have a very, very specific agenda. And I might be so bold to say that uh, they have a satanic agenda. I mean, we, we see right now the satanic temple is 
planning or is operating abortion facilities around the country. Uh, the, plan the Satanic Temple is the one who is suing a variety of different states because they believe it's a religious right to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a lot of times us pro-lifers talk about how it's important to follow the money and where is the money going. But I've always thought that there's a lot of other ways that they can make a lot more money um, and and do immoral things such as pornography and, and whatnot, but it's really just a matter of they have an ideology that they want to push and the pregnancy centers and the pro-life movement were just in the way. Hmm. And, uh, and so that's why they're pushing this legislation. It's not about them hearing the stories. In fact, when they hear the stories, they get upset because that was a victory uh, victory for the pro-life movement. That's a victory for that mother and for that child. And, um, and they're pushing back. Yeah. Well, and of course, we know that more than half of all abortions in the United States are conducted using the abortion pill. Um, and Mifepristone is, is the pill that's really being up for debate right now. And we've watched this case move first in, in Texas, a judge ruled that the Food and Drug Administration was wrong to back in the year 2000 approve the drug. Of course, that decision was appealed. And now the Supreme Court has an opportunity to weigh in. As this case is moving through the legal system, what's really at stake here when we talk about the possibility of the abortion pill being banned across America? Well, I mean, we, we talk about the abortion pill uh, specifically, but... Uh, what I think is the deeper at stake moment is the Comstock laws. Mm. Uh, the Comstock laws were passed in 1873, and they've been whittled down over the years. Uh, they, they went so far as to uh, outlaw uh, notes that you would pass uh, to your wife or send through the mail uh, if they're a little more obscene or pornography. Um, but the Comstock laws specifically outlaw the movement of abortion-causing drugs, abortion-causing paraphernalia, and things that would help an abortion. And so the Comstock laws are law of the land, but in 1973, 100 years later, uh, abortion became a, quote, fundamental right. And so at, with the Dobbs decision, uh, about 50 years later, we see the reversal of this so-called fundamental right, which makes the Comstock laws still in effect. And so uh, any attorney general today uh, and any uh, local municipality can point to these Comstock laws and say, look, you cannot move any abortion-causing drugs or abortion-causing paraphernalia, including the abortion pill, throughout the country. And so in a sense, we already have an abortion ban on the books at the federal level. We just need judges and attorney generals and other uh, prosecuting attorneys to move these things forward. And I think that's really what's at stake. It's not just the abortion pill, but it's abortion nationwide. So uh, let's say that the ruling from the judge in Texas stands, the abortion pill uh, is, is no longer allowed to be sold um, or distributed in the United States. What does that mean for the work of the pro-life movement? How is that going to shift or change, or, or will it shift and change um, any of the strategy of the pro-life movement moving forward? Well, I think uh, what was already shifting and changing was the fact that uh, there's some 75 plus websites out there today that a woman can get an abortion pill just simply mailed to her house. 
Uh, a lot of these are out of the country websites that then uh, can mail a lot of these abortion pills into their state, even if abortion is outlawed in that state. It's very difficult to track. And so what was really changing is still changing in the pro-life movement is how to combat that on the internet. Mm-hmm. And so how do we become really smart marketers to be able to be in front of the women when they're on their phone and it's midnight, they just learned that they were pregnant and they're upset about this whole situation. Can we be savvy marketers to make sure that we are in front of them while they're looking up these different keywords? One of uh, my favorite keywords that always pops up is how to cause a natural miscarriage. Mm. We we wouldn't really think about that, but uh, as they're Googling or searching for these terms, we should be right there in front of them. So the pro-life movement was, is, continues to shift to the internet and move beyond Google and Facebook. Uh, there's so many other ways to advertise uh, to these women uh, through a variety of different ways, and we need to be doing that on the on the front end. Uh, we also need to move towards education in our schools. Uh, quite frankly, we're losing that battle all around the country. Uh, we're losing school boards, and so we need to be back in our schools educating our young people on the importance and the sanctity of human life. But the, this uh, decision potentially could put us back to the on-the-ground, uh, typical uh, pro-life activities, both through our pregnancy centers and also sidewalk counseling. And I know that you know as as things continue to move along, and we're watching legislation being debated, and and all of these things, you all have purposed that you want to sort of bring in encouragement to the pro life movement. One of the ways that you all are doing that is through a march here uh, coming up very soon at the end of April, April 29th. Talk a little bit about this march and the purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, March on the Arch, uh, stlmarch.com. We invite everyone around the country to fly into the the gateway of the West, uh, where we were the first state to uh, sign a trigger law after the Dobbs decision. So we ask you, come join us in St. Louis. It's really the battleground between Mm -hmm. Illinois and Missouri, and it's really important for us to Uh, move this forward. We have huge crowds out there, uh, smack dab in the middle of the city, in the middle middle of the country. And so we invite you all to come out. So that's April 29th at 11 a.m. We have a whole variety of speakers, uh, really top-notch speakers. And then uh, at noon, we have a march from Union Station all the way down to the Gateway Arch. Uh, Just register and get all the information at stlmarch.com. Excellent. And Brian, for those that want to learn more about Coalition Life, maybe even get involved and start doing some counseling themselves outside of abortion clinics, how can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is simply coalitionlife.com. And with that, uh, if you want to bring a crew to your city or your community, please reach out to us. Uh, We are looking to grow and expand nationally to be able to be at the 600 plus abortion facilities nationwide. So uh, we invite you uh, to uh, reach out. And if there's not an abortion facility in your town, uh, maybe the next town over, they have an abortion facility. And we'd love to partner with you to be able to save lives in front of those cities and those facilities. Brian Westbrook of Coalition Life. Brian, thank you for your time today. We really appreciate you joining. Well, it's an honor. Thanks for the time. And that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Daily Signal podcast. 
If you haven't had a chance, be sure to check out our evening show right here in the same podcast feed where we bring you the top news of the day. Also, make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you like to listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. Thanks again for joining us today, and we'll see you right back here at 5 p.m. for our top news edition. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.